How do you steal a coat? You jack it. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Starting Sustainability. This is episode 152. I am your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. I thought I would start off with a nice little jacket joke because the weather is getting very cold outside. We are scrambling to get all of our outside projects finished up before the really cold, snow, stormy weather sets in. As we've been fixing up this house that we bought about a year and a half ago, whenever the weather is nice, we do outside projects, and when the weather is crummy, we do inside projects. As you can imagine, pretty much for the last six months, we've been doing a lot of outside stuff. We've completely redone our deck, which looks amazing. And we have mostly finished up our shutters by our windows. There was the old plastic broken shutters. We took those down and we built wooden shutters and burnt them. You can actually burn a nice little design on them. And then we added a clear coat. We were able to replace most of the shutters except for the ones up on the second story because we have one extension ladder and the wooden shutters are a whole lot heavier than the plastic ones. <laughs> so I climbed up to the top of the ladder but I wasn't quite strong enough to carry the wooden shutter and screw it in. I was able to get the plastic ones down but I couldn't quite get them in. So that's something that we still need to finish up. We literally have four shutters left on this entire house to put up in there on the second story. We'll eventually get there. That's the last of that. The shutters match the deck that we redid. We ripped down all the old ugly lattice work and we put up wood slats, just basically boards of wood horizontal and did a burnt pattern on them. It looks so awesome. And I give 100% credit to Channing because he's the one that picked out how he wanted to update our deck that was straight out of the 90s. <laughs> he did a great job. It looks phenomenal. As for our chickens... I don't know what's going on with them, speaking of outdoor stuff. We do need to finish creating the fenced-in area. I think I shared last episode we have all the materials. We just need to do it. Our goal is to do that this weekend. I believe this is the last nice weekend. <laughs> so this weekend we need to finish putting up their big, giant fenced-in area so we can finish merging the flocks together. Every day we'll go out there and open up the pendant areas so they have about an hour or two of running around together in our yard, free-ranging, and we can monitor them. It's hard to do it all day long because we still have to work, but we can do, we do what we can do. That's that's, that's what we focus on. We just do what we can do. As for our chicken's health, they seem to all be doing good, but we're getting one egg a week. We have two hens that do actively lay and they've slowly been dwindling down. It went from two eggs a day down to one egg a day, down to one egg every other day, and now it's like five days before we get an egg. So hopefully the other baby chicks will start laying soon. That'd be really nice. Halloween did come and go, and I definitely spent the whole last week before, the whole week prior to Halloween, making costumes. <laughs> now, I enjoy making Halloween costumes every year. I take great pride in that. It gives me a reason to use my artistic and creativity skills. This year, somehow, I ended up making five costumes, and that was a bit overwhelming. <laughs> so, basically... 
I've previously been able to scrounge up one or two costumes pre-loved and only had to make one or two, but now we have five members of this family and I was not able to scrounge up any pre-loved costumes because I made the mistake of asking my kids what they wanted to be. Duly noted for next year, I will just present three options and see which one they pick. Because <laughs> when you just ask them at random, they pick Megalodon, Whale Shark, and Hazley didn't pick anything, but I ended up making her a shark outfit too. And then Channing and I went as scuba divers, which was fun. I was able to find on Pinterest where you can take a zip up hoodie, which was great. Then you take felt and cut out white shark's teeth and sew it around the opening edge of the hoodie. So it's got teeth going all the way around their face, which is awesome. And then create felt eyes and sew those on the outside of the hoodie, basically right around where the kid's ears are on the outside. So it looks like eyes on the head of the shark. The hardest part was the fin, creating the fin. I took giant pieces of felt, created triangle shapes to create the fin and stuffed it. I had to get some hard plastic on the inside so the fin wouldn't keep flopping over. So I needed that to help prop it up. And then I had some, uh, you call that, I think it's called batting. The stuff that you use to stuff stuffed animals, the stuff inside your pillow, that's what I use to kind of stuff up the fin, if that makes sense. Everything was able to sew on very quickly and easily, except for the fins, because they're odd shapes and they're in the middle of the sweatshirt. And I was having a very hard time trying to use a sewing machine. In the end, I ended up sewing all of those by hand, and that part sucked. <laughs> that was a lot by hand. We were able to scrounge up three two-liter Coke bottles. Channing had two oxygen tanks on his back and I had a single oxygen tank on my back because we couldn't find a fourth one. And at first I kept thinking I have to spray paint these black and we were getting low on time before the trunk or treating event. And then Channing was asking me, why do you have to paint them black? I'm like, because that's what the picture in Pinterest is. And he said, but oxygen tanks are gray or silver. They're made out of metal, aren't they? And I said, yeah, I think you're right. So we looked up some pictures. I'm like, yeah, they are. I'm like, oh. So we just took aluminum foil and wrapped them. They didn't have to spray paint anything. We just used the aluminum foil to cover them up and turn them into metal looking scuba tanks. We added strings to them so that way we could strap them backs like little backpacks and we were good to go. We didn't have any goggles. I kind of forgot that part. This is literally Saturday. We're getting ready to go trunk or treating. We got two hours left and I realized I forgot about goggles for a scuba diving costume. I was so focused on the shark costumes all week. <laughs> I called up our kid's little daycare provider and said, do you still happen to have some goggles? She goes, yep. <laughs> she just covered everything up on her pool deck to winterize it, but she knew exactly where the goggles were and had easy access and we borrowed those. Perfect. We just wore them on top of our heads. We didn't put them on our faces because it was too, it gets too steamy in the goggles. So we just had them on top of our heads. I also took some foam pieces. You can get sheets of foam kind of like a sheet of paper. If you're not a crafty person trying to describe this, think of like a sheet of paper, but it's out, made out of a thin foam flexible material. And I got gray ones and black ones and blue ones. So that way I cut big black ones for Channing and I to be the scuba divers and we just slid them. I cut them out with holes that would go around the ankle. So you just slide it on your foot and then put your shoe on underneath. So it literally was designed to just sit on top of the shoe. I got those for Channing and I. And we got to the trunk or treat event and realized that Channing was wearing cowboy boots. I failed to tell him that he needed to wear tennis shoes. <laughs> so his didn't go on, <laughs> just mine. And I got the boys theirs. We didn't give a knee to Hazley because she was in the stroller crawling all around. I figured she'd probably end up eating them more than anything. So I cut out little fins for the boys. They put them on and then put their shoes on. We had to park really far away from the trunk or treat. It was at the school. 
And by the time we got there, the plan was to get there 15 minutes early. And of course we got there 30 minutes late. <laughs> so we were stuck parking really far away and had to walk quite a bit. And after about, I don't know, 20 steps, we realized that these were not, these fins were not going to work and we ended up tearing them off because we were just tripping all over them. <laughs> so they made it for the pictures and then they were done after that. They just went into our the bags that we used for candy, little reusable grocery bags. I had really fun Halloween grocery bags that we used last year for trick-or-treating and I spent 20 minutes trying to find them and I gave up. I still have no idea where they are right now and now it's a week later that I'm recording this. No idea where they're at. So we just used regular reusable bags. The boys were totally good with it. They were just excited to get candy at the trunk or treat. Trunk or treat is the way to go when you have little kids because walking around a neighborhood with little legs who get sore and tired really fast is not fun. Trunk or treat is just car to car to car. You're in and out real quick. Definitely the way to go. Everybody was very happy, very thrilled with the trunk or treat. And then we went and hung out at a couple of parties after that. Now, Hazley goes to bed at 7, and the party started at 7, and we made it till about 9, and then it started raining pretty hardcore, and Hazley was getting pretty tired, and we did sneak in a second party where Hazley somehow behaved, but was totally a zombie. She was literally a zombie shark at that point, <laughs> but was doing good, and it was pouring down rain, so we weren't at the second party very long, and then we came home and went to bed very late, and somehow, miraculously, all the kids slept in until 9 a.m. the next day, which is a miracle in the world of parenting. That was all Saturday, Saturday night, and on Tuesday, which was actual Halloween day, we were blessed with a snowstorm. <laughs> it was very cold, very windy. The snow was going sideways, so we were not going trick-or-treating, and on top of that, the sitter called in the afternoon and said, Hazley's been asleep all day. She couldn't get her to drink anything. She got her to eat two crackers and she's been very fussy and was running a low grade fever. So I left work early, went and picked up Hazley, took her to the doctor and she tested positive for strep throat. And I'm guessing it's probably from hanging out at two Halloween parties two days prior. So here's to none of us getting strep throat because you know how it is with a family everybody shares everything including germs so hopefully we're all good to go from here on out and the other doozy so halloween same day crummy weather sick kid guess what else we discovered in our garage that's attached to the house there is a bathroom and it's directly underneath of our master bathroom and in the garage bathroom we noticed there was a watermark on the ceiling. And that was been there since we moved in. The inspector a year and a half ago said it looks like an old leak. Turns out it wasn't an old leak. It has slowly been getting worse over time. And we hardly ever use the garage bathroom because we have really nice bathrooms inside the house. We noticed the leak was looking bigger, wetter, and darker. Channing cut it open, poked his head up in there, and he said, yep, we definitely have a leak going on. And it was very, the wood all around it was wet and soggy and covered in mold. We called our insurance company who said, is there mold? And we said, yeah. And they said, oh, we don't cover that. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> we did call a plumber out to fix the leak because... Channing can do it, but he couldn't quite get up into it. It was in a it was in a hard to reach spot and it was a weird goofy thing. And to be honest, we don't really have a lot of good luck with plumbing issues around this house. Anytime that we try to fix them ourselves, it goes sideways. <laughs> so we called the plumber out. $600 later, 
The drain to our shower, which was the cause of the leak, has been replaced. The leak is stopped. While the plumber had his head up in the ceiling, he said, there's a second leak over there. So around the drain, the first leak, it was all wet. Then there was a dry spot by about two feet and then a whole nother wet, sopping wet area. And it was coming from the roof. Marvelous. Yep. Turns out there's also a hole in the roof where more water was coming down. And don't worry, it's right beside the side of the house. It was the edge of the roof. So all that water leaked down on the inside of the siding and there was mold growing all around, which we did notice it throughout the summer on the outside of the siding and it looked like algae, which we've had algae on other spots of our house, like in shaded areas. And so we noticed it, but we didn't connect that it was mold. We just thought it was more algae. We just kept pressure washing it off. <laughs> and now we feel so stupid. So we called our homeowner's insurance again and they said, is it mold? Yeah. Yeah, we don't cover that. Gosh, dang it. So Tuesday was a rough day. Tuesday was a very rough day. When we had a general contractor come out, who said, yeah, we're going to help you with your insurance. We'll help file a claim. We told him who our insurance was. State Farm. And they said, oh, yeah, they don't cover anything with mold. They're, they're really one of the worst. <laughs> Fantastic. I said, who's the best? Who do we need to switch to? Who do you recommend? They said, farmer's insurance. They cover just about anything, no questions asked. So there you go, listeners. Learn from our financial pain. And hopefully you avoid this situation in the future. On a positive note, because the weather was getting really cold, I had to pull all of the tomatoes from our garden, including all the green ones. And the trick that you do there is you put them in a brown paper bag or a cardboard box, depending on the amount of tomatoes that you have, and you put in a very green banana. And as the banana ripens up, it will help speed up the ripening process of your tomatoes. And I made a whole lot of tomato soup that I was able to jar up and can up. And... Now we will have some free soup that will free up our finances to help pay for a new bathroom floor, a new roof, and a new siding and exterior wall portion of the house. Honestly, we're probably going to need a whole lot more soup. <laughs> All right, at this point, talking about my private life has been very painful. <laughs> We've had a pretty rough week, and so we're going to move on to some feel-good stuff. That's what we need, to feel positive. Initially, I wanted to find some failed sustainability campaigns because I was thinking that it would, there would be some funny ones out there. But it ended up being a really sad wormhole that I dove down. Companies trying to be sustainable and ultimately failing by either greenwashing or by truly being sustainable and putting themselves out of business was pretty depressing. Let's face it, marketing and sales is all about fast disposal and repeat customers. If there is a high quality product, then customers aren't returning very quickly, are they? However, this adventure did inspire me to hunt and find sustainability success stories to cheer me up and in turn, cheer you up too. Sometimes being sustainable is tough, especially if you're new at it. If you have a spouse, partner, or roommate, they may not be on board and tease you. Prior to filling your world with sustainability initiatives, you would have a pleasant interaction like someone giving you a gift and now 
that can become unwanted because what if the gift is a disposable item covered in plastic in non-recyclable wrapping paper? Every day I feel like I have to put in a strong conscious effort to be sustainable, like recycling everything for a week, just to have the bin blow over on a windy day and end up all over our yard. Or ride your bike to work in the morning and then it rains all afternoon. Like I said, sustainability can be really hard and challenging. Here are some reminders of why we continue to do the unconventional things we do, like bringing Tupperware to a restaurant for leftovers, <laughs> or doing extra laundry for all of the cloth towels, cloth napkins, cloth diapers, handkerchiefs, and so on. In the end, all of our efforts are working slowly, but they are working. We as individuals cast a vote to society every time we make a sustainable purchase or do a sustainable action. Big companies are noticing and are starting to make sustainability part of their mission statements, which is really awesome. They're also making sustainability part of their core values and their business model. That's a really big deal. Big companies produce way more waste than you or I do as individuals, and all of our efforts for one year combined, do not undo the amount of waste produced by one big company for one day. So if we can get big companies on board with sustainability, then we will start seeing more significant measurable change. Now, remember, it is hard for any one of us to be 100% sustainable 100% of the time. We are all trying with both success and fails. And I want to celebrate the big companies trying some succeeding, even if it's not 100%. To find these companies, I did have to hunt a little bit, and I found an awesome article by the sustainableagency.com, and that's where I got this information. The first company I want to talk about is The Body Shop. The Body Shop is one of those rare brands that realize the beauty industry is in dire need of a makeover. You like that pun? This sector alone generates billions of plastic pieces each year that end up in landfills and the ocean. While the body shop is not exempt from contributing to this issue, they do still use some virgin plastic, but we do believe that their heads are in the right place. They created the hashtag bring back our bottles campaign. The beauty giant created its own hashtag, which started in Indonesia to encourage customers to do just that. Return the empties. The innovative brand partnered with TerraCycle to install product recycling bins in store locations worldwide, an ongoing program that motivates customers to return their empties in exchange for a redeemable discount voucher. This puts the body shop in the spotlight as an active promoter of the circular economy. The strategy behind it all? The body shop uses various marketing strategies as do most brands, but customer marketing is the driving force behind creating awareness. It's about maximizing strong customer relationships and community surrounding a brand. This form of marketing improves customers' experiences, strengthening the brand's retention and growth, meaning people will likely do the marketing for the company if they love the brand. To make customers connect with the body shop more, the company listened to the needs of its customers. They asked how they can recycle their empties and the body shop offered the perfect solution. In turn, 
Customers feel satisfied. They can still support a brand that they like while being just as supportive to the environment. And despite recycling not being the solution to the plastic problem, it's nevertheless a positive step and hopefully it'll help the body shop transition into using 100% post-consumer recycled plastic only. Why did this work? Because many other companies tried this and failed, but here it worked. Due to the volatile nature of the modern market, many businesses can testify attracting new customers is incredibly hard. It's costly, time-consuming, and a disappointing exercise. Retaining customers is cheaper than discovering new ones. Plus, brands that use customer marketing can often expect consistent and predictable income. The aim is to turn existing customers into advocates. Customer marketing works for the body shop because the majority of its customers prefer supporting brands that take social and environmental issues seriously. More people want to participate in the effort to make the planet less trashy, and they will likely make waves about it online. Despite the body shop's large-scale success, it continues to focus on the human aspect of its customer relationship journey to establish confidence. After all, trust in a brand is what makes people feel empowered to share their stories. Now, the body shop is a beauty brand. They make lots of beauty products. And now I want to share a story about a fashion brand called Lacoste. And they had a disappearance of the crocodile campaign going on. The global apparel brand Lacoste made a snappy decision to support species conservation action worldwide in a three-year collaboration with International Union for Conservation of Nature's Save Our Species initiative, the brand launched limited edition polo shirts. The company's winning idea was to boldly replace its iconic crocodile embroidered logo with 10 threatened species and match the number of shirts with the number of individuals left in the wild. The 10 threatened species included the vaquita. I don't even know what that is. I'm, I have to look that up. Oh, it's a really cute species of porpoise. It's like a dolphin. And it's located in the northern end of the Gulf of California in Baja California, Mexico. It is super cute and it is marked as critically endangered. And there's only 10 individuals remaining as of 2023. The next one is the Burmese roofed turtle. It's a cute tiny little turtle and there are only 900 of those left, and they can be found in Myanmar. The next is the northern sportive lemur. Aw, the lemur's my favorite animal to go see whenever we go to the zoo. They're so cute and so adorable. They're also critically endangered. There are only about 50 remaining individuals, and they are located in Madagascar. The next species is the javan rhino, which there are only 76 left, and they're not even out in the wild anymore. They're extinct from the wild. They can be found at the Ujang Kulan National Park in Indonesia. That's where they're all located. It's a very cute one-horned rhino. I say cute, but it's still a rhino, so don't go hug it. <laughs> It'll definitely attack. The Kauvit gibbon is a very adorable little monkey a gibbon, <laughs> found in Vietnam, and there are 135 of them left in the wild. The KKPO, which I think is how you pronounce that, is an owl parrot. 
that lives in New Zealand. These birds are cool. They live up to be 60 years old. Unfortunately, there are only 247 of them left in the world. Next is the California condor. I'm excited because I know how to pronounce that one. This is an ugly vulture looking bird. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. It's not very good looking. They became extinct out in the wild in 1987 when the remaining wild individuals were captured and, and worked with and bringing the population back. As of 2023, there were 559 condors of those 345 lived out in the wild and 93 are part of a central coast flock. The Sola is next and it's a little goat, very adorable, located in the Annamite Mountains of Vietnam and Laos and they're not really sure how many are left. They are guessing it's less than 750 because they don't have any formal surveys to actually get an accurate population number. They just know that they are endangered. Next is the Sumatran tiger. There are about 500 to 600 individuals left in the wild. The Sumatran tigers are the rarest species of tiger and they are classified as critically endangered. They are naturally found on the island of Sumatra, which is in Indonesia. But they are found all over the world because they're taken into captivity and they're in zoos and other facilities and programs to help bring the population back. The last endangered species that Lacoste made shirts for, of, I guess they didn't make the shirts for this animal, made shirts of this animal, made shirts with this animal's logo representing it, is the Anaganda ground iguana, which I'm not a reptile person, so I don't find it cute or adorable, but maybe if you're a reptile person, you would. If I saw this thing out in the wild, I would just go the other direction. <laughs> it's a bit creepy looking. It is estimated the current global population is less than 300 and it is rapidly declining. In addition to removing the iconic crocodile and replacing it with all of these endangered species as the new little logo, Lacoste also donated the proceeds directly to the preservation of each of the species that I listed. So what's the strategy behind this? This clever sustainability marketing example is known as cause marketing, which is a pivotal part of brand strategy nowadays. Not only did the initiative position Lacoste as an active participant in wildlife conservation, but the campaign also won two golds in the Clio Fashion and Beauty Awards in partnership and collaborations and public relations. Why did this sustainability action work? Seeing as a crocodile is one of the top famous logos in the world, it acted as a megaphone to draw public attention to the campaign. Considering how difficult it can be to survive the scrutiny of customers and the fact that the renowned brand removed its logo entirely, even temporarily, showed Lacoste's level of dedication to raise awareness. The company's strong commitment is exactly why the idea won. Even though the number of polos for each species was different, all of the shirts sold out in 24 hours with a 76% increase in new clients. 600,000 shares and 1.2 million impressions on social media. What's more, the International Union for Conservation of Nature gained four times more donations 
traffic to saveourspecies.org increased by 200% and newsletter subscriptions increased by 300% during the operations. But never mind the overnight sellout, this brilliant sustainable marketing campaign was in the media across the globe, even in countries where the shirts were not available for purchase. That is pretty cool. There is one small little downfall. Despite the clear commitment shown towards species conservation in this campaign, Lacoste is classified as having one of the lowest scores on Good On You, the world's leading app for fashion brand sustainability ratings. Like I said before, sustainability is hard. We don't need everyone being 100% sustainable 100% of the time. As long as you are trying and as long as big companies are trying, we are still making steps in the right direction. So far, we've covered beauty products, fashion and clothing, and the last brand that I want to bring up is Corona. (laughs) Some people raise doubts about Corona's ability to perform when the last pandemic went global three years ago. In spite of the name association, Corona managed to keep the number one position as the world's most valuable beer labeled in 2020, showing the power of brand resiliency. Shortly after, they used this very same power for good. Known for its long-standing stance against public, against plastic pollution, Corona launched the Plastic Fishing Tournament as an international campaign to strengthen its commitment to the environment. The beer brand sponsored the event, which rewarded anglers for fishing plastic waste out of the sea. Catch plastic, make money, and clean up the ocean. Within several hours, 80 fishermen removed over three tons of plastic from the Pacific Ocean. (laughs) Finally, something that my husband can really truly get on board with sustainability-wise. Drink beer, fish out plastic, get paid to do it. Of course, this one was a success. We'll still take a dive into the strategy of how this was so successful. It's a combination of below-the-line and cause marketing strategies. These were used to drive awareness and brand consistency is also a player. Together with creative agency We Believers, Corona held the competition as part of an initiative to clean up and save the world's oceans. In the summer of 2021, the pilot took place in Mazatlan, Mexico, Mazatlan, Mexico? I have no idea how to pronounce it, and I never took Spanish, (laughs) so I'm not even close. Although the top winner was paid 14,800 pesos, which is the equivalent of one month's wages, no one went home empty-handed. Aw, that's really sweet. Good job, Corona. Corona connected participants with the country's largest recycling company, Mexico Recicla. Recicla? Recicla? I'm not sure, to compensate everyone with higher than average rates compared to fishing for their hauls. Fishermen were also given vouchers for fishing supplies and cleaning tools made from recycled materials. Post-event, Mexico Recycla was in charge of upcycling the recycled plastic into tools for fishermen. Since then, Corona has brought the plastic fishing tournament to South Africa with rollouts in the works for even more countries. The campaign has won numerous awards, including three Grand Clios and Kane's Lions Creative Marketer of the Year for 2022. Why did this work? Events, 
which is a type of below-the-line marketing, they're a great way to generate public relation buzz, establish presence, and connect with specific audiences. But they can often appear as one-time stunts and mean little in the long run if they don't support something greater. Prior to 2021, Corona had already spent years on its mission to end marine plastic pollution. A month before the tournament, Corona became the first company in the beverage industry to achieve a net zero plastic footprint. At the same time, they started the Protect Our Beaches initiative with nonprofit organization Oceanic Global. As part of their overall marketing strategy, Corona has long used beach imagery in campaigns. That in mind, it only makes sense that they continue to focus on environmentalism to further promote the brand. This goes to show that while sustainability marketing can have a great impact, we should also consider a brand's overall actions and intentions before choosing to support solely based on a campaign. If we don't, we could fall victim to greenwashing. Cleverness is one thing, authenticity is another. If you know of any companies, big, small, or mom and pop, with successful sustainability initiatives, please share them on the Facebook group Starting Sustainability. I think we would all like to see and learn about more companies that we can be excited about and support. It's time for the challenge. Next time you go shopping for any item, check out the company. Look them up. You can do it right there in the store on your phone. Just do a quick little search and see if they support sustainability in any way. And if they do, great. Share it with the Facebook group. <laughs> and if they don't, well, maybe try finding an alternative company for the product that you're wanting. The next episode will be on November 20th. And I think it might change. But as of right now, I'm thinking I'm going to talk about parties and gatherings as a way to kick off the holiday season. It is also Native American Heritage Month, so I kind of want to do something for that too. So I haven't quite decided. It's going to be one or the other. I guess you'll have to tune in on November 20th to find out. Until then, continue saving the world. Stay warm because the cold weather is coming. Stay healthy because strep throat is going around and stay sustainable. Have a great one. Bye.